the reading is from John 21, verses 1 to 14. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Debdi, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, oh, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net out on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred meters. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Good morning. And, um, wow, lovely to see you all. Uh, what a wonderful passage. I walked in this morning, and Andrew Baines, who's now gone up to the um, prison uh, to be there this morning with the, uh, with the team there, said, what are you preaching on? I said, the, uh, the breakfast on the beach. He said, oh, my favorite my favorite passage. I said, why? And he said, exactly what, what I've been saying as I read through it. It's just so normal. It's just so joyful. There's something so special about Jesus making a barbecue for his disciples on the shore. Um, and as I read into it, God opened 
as usual, um, a number of things, and here's what, here's what I've heard. Um, <clears throat> so we, we, we join a group of seven of his closest friends by the lake. Um, and this is, about, this is probably about two weeks after the resurrection. So we know that he's encountered, in, in John's narrative at least, he's encountered the disciples twice. So he's met Mary Magdalene um, in front of the tomb, and then that evening seeing the disciples without Thomas, and then a week later or eight days after that, seeing the disciples again with Thomas. And now this is a third time that he's going to appear to a, a, a group of them. Um, it's been the most massive emotional roller coaster, I would imagine, uh, for them. It, obviously, they've gone from complete despair on the Friday with the cross to elation, wonderment, um, life-changing joy, outpouring of everything, and probably quite some uncertainty as well. Um, because they've, they've, they've met him, he's alive, and yet he's not with them every day like he used to be. There's probably still some nagging doubt. Um, if I'd been one of them, I would still have had some nagging doubt. Not, not, not that Jesus is alive. He's definitely alive, right? We've done that. Thomas has put his hand on his side and all that. We've done that. But he's not around. I mean, they used to sort of go to sleep together, wake up together, hang out together, and, and now he sort of appears and then goes, and then appears again and then goes. So there's something slightly unusual going on and there's a different quality about him we we think it's it's, it's a little bit like he's not fully of this world anymore not that he ever was fully of this world but, but then he was he was fully man and fully god and what is he now because he's not sort of always there the seven friends are peter uh we read and thomas uh thomas listed second so thomas is sort of risen in, not importance, but in focus with his questioning and then his declaration of my Lord and my God. Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, the author, John the Evangelist, self-styled the disciple who Jesus loved, and two others. So at least three are fishermen, Peter, James, and John, and they begin then to do what they know best, which is sometimes what you need to do, um, especially in uncertain times. Uh, they go fishing. Peter says, I'm off fishing. They've probably been, I mean, they'll have been talking about one thing, which is Jesus. Peter says, right, okay, I'm off fishing. And Peter, of course, is holding this thing about the last time he saw Jesus one-on-one -on -one was the whole, you know, I'll never deny you, I'll never deny you. Yes, you will, three times before the cock crows, and then he does. And, and, and if Peter's anything like me, he, 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 that will have been in his mind for every waking minute, for every day since. So I let down my best friend at the moment, at the moment critique. And he says, right, I'm going fishing. And they say, okay, we're coming with you. And they all jump into this boat. Sounds like an over, obviously it's an overnight trip onto, in the Sea of Tiberias or, or Lake Galilee. Um, and the trip doesn't go to plan. So they're they're returning in the morning, and they've caught absolutely nothing. And so they're, they're, they'll be jaded, they'll be frustrated. Dawn's breaking, they've probably been out 10 hours, and there's this figure on the shore about 100 yards away, John tells us, and no sign of anyone else, it would seem. It was just this figure on the shore. And he shouts something to them. He says, and, and by the way, the ESV has the word children, very interestingly. The NIV just says, throw your net. But either way, he says, throw your net down on the other side. 
This figure on the shore says, throw your net down on the other side. He may even say children or lads or whatever, kids. Throw your net down on the other side. What is going on? Something's up, right? Because it's sure it's early light and sure they're tired, but they're close enough to hear this man's words. And he's a stranger. And they do just what he says. They just go and do it. I mean, right, I don't know if you've ever spoken with a boat full of fishermen. I have spoken with boats full of fishermen. I used to be in the Navy. We used to talk to fishermen all the time. A boat full of fishermen is a crunchy group. When they've been together for a while on the sea, they're a really crunchy group. Overnight, fishing, and they're tired and hungry, they're a really crunchy group. And they've caught nothing, flip. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say to them, did you see that City scored four yesterday? I mean, have you ever said, I mean, they do not want advice. They certainly wouldn't want school child advice. You know, hey, it's not going so well then. Have you thought of trying the other side? <laughs> well, knock me down with a feather, Guff. Yeah, try the, or, or whatever they'd have said. Probably something about no something Sherlock. I mean, it's like, other side? Yeah, right, I never thought of that. It, who are you anyway? So imagine the chat in the boat, right? What did he say? What did he say? He said, try the other side. Great. I think he's David Attenborough. Who is he? Don't know. So at this stage, they're close enough to hear him. And yet they still don't know who he is. So there's something going on. And they just do what he says. It's, 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 it's really weird. Anyway, hold those thoughts. So they're 100 yards away, and they don't know it's Jesus. And, they, and they're wise and wizened fishermen, and yet they just throw a net the other side, because he said so. Doesn't seem normal to me. So they take the primary school advice, put the net the other side, and boom, 153 big fish. OK. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, what is going on? Right, so no fish for eight hours, and then boom. This stranger says, call some children, so throw down your net the other side. They do 153 fish. Are you kidding? Now, Peter, so, so sorry, before Peter, at which stage, John, who's the author and the youngest and probably the most awake and alert, suddenly twigs, and the light bulb goes off, and he says, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. Who else? <laughs> Who else is this? And so Peter, well, Peter has previous moments like this, right? So I think we can safely call Peter the first mover. Peter would always be the first mover, right? He's always the first to leap in, the first to speak, the first to jump, the first to, to, to take charge, the first to follow. Probably not the first to figure it out, but he's the first to do something about it. So John, the light bulb goes off, and it's Peter who swims to the shore. Classic caution to the wind fashion, dives in, swims to the, the shore. Fish, livelihood, nutrition, friends, boat. Who cares? He's off to Jesus again. That's what he always does. And his mind is swirling, right? So he's probably remembering walking across the water to Jesus on the same lake. He's probably, well, he's certainly remembering the three denials. And, and he's been thinking about this, and he's been thinking, because he knows Jesus is alive, and, and he's been thinking, what am I going to say to him? What am I going to say to him when I get the chance? And, he, and he's now seizing the moment, and he's swimming out. Actually, he does something slightly different this time. He puts a, his outer garments on first, so he's, 
He's been wearing probably proverbial boxer shorts or something like that. It's warm and it's sweaty work. Well, it is if you're catching anything. Anyway, he puts his clothes on this time. I wonder if he, there's something about he just wants to, he wants to be respectable, I guess. He, he, it's like, I'm just going gonna, gonna to meet Jesus. And he, he thinks enough to just wrap himself up. Maybe he's cold. don't think so. He wraps himself up and he, then he jumps in the water. And he's swimming out to Jesus. And it's like this classic Peter, right? I'm swimming out to Jesus. I'm going to see him. And I'm going to put things right. And that's going to follow. Whatever he's thinking, the huge heart that Jesus will soon commission for one of the most important works of leadership in the world ever, the founding of the first church, that heart is in evidence. And he gets there, and there's no record of how that very first conversation goes. An hour later, there is, when he recommissions him. That's going to be the real conversation. But the, meanwhile, the other six just bring the boat in, dragging this huge bulging net that John says doesn't tear. And they settle down to breakfast on the shore. Now, this has always been, like Andrew Baines and I said, one of my favorite moments in the Gospels. Perhaps it's because I love breakfast. I don't know about you, I love breakfast, especially leisurely breakfast. In the Navy, we used to have um, a, a watch system, they still do. And um, if you'd done the morning watch, you did 4 till 8 a.m., and then you came down and you had breakfast. And what was great about that breakfast was everyone else was working. But morning watchkeepers had an hour for breakfast. It's fantastic. If you were fortunate enough to be an officer, you'd walk in, and a steward would bring you breakfast. And it was like bacon and egg. And you said, hey, yes, I've done 4 till 8, and this is great. And if there were normally two or three of you doing various watches, and you'd sit down together and eat a breakfast, and there's this sense of, ah done this chunk of work, and it's wonderful. And I love breakfast, and I love breakfast with friends. You don't often get breakfast with friends, for most of us. And among the uncertainty that's going on for all these guys, it just seems so normal and delightful and simple and reassuring. And they, they arrive, and Jesus has a couple of fish already going there, right? There's a couple of fish already on the charcoal we read, and there's some bread it's probably an echo of the loaves and fishes, right, in the 5,000. I mean, they must have thought of that. And then casually he says, come and join me. Come on, bring some of your fish, some of that amazing catch of fish, he will say with a twinkle in his eye, because we all know who brought the catch in. And they settle down, they have breakfast. So what's it all about? What's this great scene all about? It's just breakfast with friends. It's a total cracker of a story for me. I, I love it. It's personal, it's fun, it's easy. For sure, it's going to lead to the recommissioning of Peter and the lovely personal touch around John himself in the after-breakfast scene, right? So Peter and John, they're going to be there talking to Jesus. But before that, just the barbecue, just the breakfast. I think John's put it there, I think John's put it there for two big reasons. And by the way, it, it, if you read through John's gospel, it comes almost as an afterthought. So you get, if you, John 20, you get... You get, the, the, you get Mary Magdalene, and then you get the first appearance, and then you get the second appearance with Thomas. And, and, and then there's this verse where John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, da-da-da, and you think he's finished. That seems the end of John's gospel. And then suddenly he starts again, chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. Then he does this piece, and then he signs off, 
with, finally, Jesus did many other things as well. So he says it again. It's almost like chapter 21's an afterthought. It's almost like he thinks, oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I've got it. Oh, my giddy arm, I completely forgot to tell everyone. There's this breakfast as well. So he brings it in. And I think he's got two big reasons. First of all, he wants to reassure us in the same way as Jesus reassured them. I think he wants to reassure us like Jesus reassured them. This is the message. Jesus was very much and is very much alive. He was living differently, for sure, not with them every day, but was very still, still very human, very much still a human being. Not with them all the time, but very much human. He barbecued and ate breakfast like other people. He ate fish like everyone else. He had physical needs. He sought out his friends like a good friend would, would, would always do. He's normal. He's human still. He'd also, second reason, I think, want to share with us something of Jesus' character. Jesus' character after his resurrection. Just look at how Jesus behaves for a minute. How playful is this, right? So he's standing there on the beach. Children, kids, probably teasing them because they're not catching. Then, like with the road to Emmaus, right, not revealing who he was. I mean, I would have said, my friends, it is I. It is I, Jesus. You know, for those of you who remember, um, you know, the Lord of the Rings, and Gandalf says, I come to you now at the turning of the tide. And he's the image of Jesus. And I, I will, I, yes, I'm back. But Jesus goes, Lads, bad fishing, chuck the net the other side. 100 yards out, lads, chuck the net the other side. What? And they don't even know who he is. It's, it's, it's like he's having a laugh. Is he, he's, he may be casting a veil over their senses, I don't know. So there's a touch of Harry Potter about this one, isn't there? You know, it's, like, it's like the invisibility cloak or something like that. I don't, I don't know what's happening, but they don't twig. And he's like waiting for them to realize, and they don't twig. Maybe it's just that it's early morning and it's been a long night and maybe Jesus is wearing a beanie or something like that. It's the same phenomenon as when Mary Magdalene meets him first and thinks he's the gardener. I mean, he can't be that unrecognizable, but somehow he is. There's something. He's the same, but he's not the same. Anyway, he's enjoying himself. And with Mary, it was sort of deeply tender and moving and beautiful. And here it's, it's fun and playful like it was in Emmaus. And Jesus simply says, come and have some breakfast. What could be more normal than this? And then John writes that they didn't dare ask him, who are you? They didn't dare ask him, who are you? I love this. It's like they're embarrassed not to have recognized him. And he does exactly that. It's exactly what he did at the inn on the road to Emmaus. He breaks bread. It's like he breaks bread and they know it's him. Do you remember the two in Emmaus? They're talking and like... They don't even know who they've got. And then they're telling him about himself. Then he breaks bread and they, oh, it's you. It's a bit like that, right? Like he's saying, and, and, then, it's, and, then, and, and then they're positive and then, it, then it's, it's private. The breaking of the bread, it's like a private thing. It's him with them like he did at the Last Supper. It's like, hey, this is ours. This is our moment. You've got me back. It is me. And I think John wants us to know this. I think John wants us to know that this is our Jesus back for real. So here's the take. Jesus has just won the greatest victory of all. Just two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, he's just caused the turning point of the whole human race. 
As my friend John Eldridge writes, he's emerged from the tomb with the keys to death and hell swinging at his waist. He's emerged from the tomb with the keys to death and hell swinging at his waist. I will be going around singing, we are the champions. But extraordinary how he behaves. He's playful, he's fun, he's laughing. And he wouldn't stay with them for long. A few days, weeks later, he returned to his father. And he's somehow in a space between earth and heaven. Remember what he says to Mary, please don't cling on to me. I haven't yet ascended to the Father. We, he's always had a bigger mission. Now he's achieved the massive victory, and now he needs to follow it through and reign over the next era. And he'll take 40 days from that first meeting with Mary to the moment he ascends. Is he building up to something? Is he strengthening like he did for the 40 in the desert? He 40 days in the desert to prepare for his three years, now 40 days to prepare for reigning at the right hand? I don't, I don't know, but he's building up to something. But he's also using the 40 days to do this reconnection with his friends. And we're so glad he did. We're so glad of these points of reconnection. Can you imagine what the church would have been without these personal meetings? He leaves 11 close friends, several close women friends, a much wider community who all see him, and he leaves them saying, yes, he was here, just like you are now, he was here with me. All 11 were so sure, all 11 were so sure of the resurrection of Jesus that 10 would go on to give their lives, and the 11th would live in exile. They were that certain. So it's very clear, we have a risen Lord. But he's saying here, no rush, life as usual but life as you've always wanted it. Fisher provided, friendship, reunion, nothing to come between us, hanging out with friends, doing what you enjoy. Yes, I have things to do, he says. Yes, I'm still going to a new place, but I will wait for you there and provide a great welcome. I am still a man who eats breakfast like you, and I am still God, who summons fish with my thoughts. I can do whatever I want. I'm alive, I'm in control, I have the victory, so you have the victory. And sometime in the not-too-distant future, I will be sharing breakfast with him, with him, by a warm fire on a gorgeous morning. Fancy joining us. We can do that together. Because we've, we're going to have that for eternity. We can just hang out. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that great? That's my take from today. Bless you.